the Phoenix Club pull off into paradise. You're listening to Pull Up Into Paradise. I'm Tom Sidwell, coming in your ears. And here's Yaz, and she's going up. Pull Up Into Paradise podcast has its grand reopening tonight with chart-topping punk, punk singer Tom Sidwell and TV's own James, it's the way I tell him, Olna. How are we doing, Jimmy? All right? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. And, and welcome, everyone, to... Uh, pull off into paradise a phoenix nights podcast which i had the idea to do uh because there wasn't a phoenix nights podcast but young jimmy evidence has been unearthed that there was one that lasted one episode well we, we need to do at least two then and we're <laughs> on top we're on top uh maybe it's because peter k sued the fuck out of them i'm, not, I'm going to try not to swear sued the, the shite out of them because yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I get that vibe from Peter Kay. Mm, only time will tell. If we just disappear, it's nothing you've said. From knocking. Phoenix Nights, then. I think it's worth noting, good listener, that, that both of us are from the Midlands. Um, we're both millennials. So Phoenix Nights for us was, I think I was about seven. 18, 19, when the second series started, or came out on DVD at least. Yeah, we're talking kind of over 20 years ago now when the first series dropped. So, yeah, that's uh, what was I sort of 12, something like that. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so it was a spin off from that Peter Kay thing, wasn't it? Uh, with that, uh, that episode featured Brian Potter, who we'll obviously hear a lot more of. And also Keith Lard was in that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get into that Peter Kay thing after the fact? Yeah, um, I think I, yeah, I think I discovered it after kind of both series of Phoenix Nights. I think, yeah, it um, it, it adds a bit of context to the kind of three or the what is it two previous clubs that have closed down and all that stuff, doesn't it? It uh, it sort of fleshes out that little backstory a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and, and it sows the seeds of the the, the myth storyline that Brian Potter can walk. Yeah, 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 which uh, I think they kind of tried to do and then abandoned, essentially, when they realised that... I think that in, the, um, in the commentary on this episode, Peter Kay says that... Uh, they tried to sort of put as much stuff in as possible and and kind of they were thinking of airplane in that kind of just constant jokes and you could watch it again and see another thing that was happening or uh, just kind of like keep dropping things in all the time so you could sort of re-watch it and pick the different things up. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. As we, as we sort of move through this episode, there's a lot of stuff, certainly in terms of introductions to characters, which you'd expect with it being the first episode, but there's a lot of recurring storylines and themes that that start now so you've got to uh be on the ball haven't you like brian's castio <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i think um considering it is that first episode and there is a lot of like it's set introducing the world of, of phoenix knights there's still kind of it's still absolutely jam-packed full of laughs and and jokes and like uh it doesn't kind of lean too heavily on 
this is Jerry St. Clair. He is the, comp you know, it just naturally kind of lets you into that world slowly. Here he is. Here's, here he is. Here she is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you just go through it. Before we get into it properly, Clubland, um, I don't know about you, but for me, it was on its ass when we were growing up. I mean, we, we used to rent out one particular club, which reminds me of Phoenix Nights a lot for punk gigs. Remember the Caddy Club in Nuneaton? I and, do. <laughs> and that back room with its little tiny side rooms with a sink in the corner at the side of the stage is exactly like the Phoenix Club. And, and for me, Phoenix Nights was like, what makes it funny is it's something that, let's face it, is pretty old-fashioned. At the turn of this century, sort of transplanted into life in the 21st century, is it, is it relevant? Um, you know, you look at the demographics at the club and it's pensioners, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what I think what particularly reminds me of the Caddy Club in Phoenix Nights is the the little barrier between the the sort of seating area and the bar, like forcing you to queue rather than just stand at the bar. Yeah, Weatherspoons keep that tradition. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um I've got ice in my mouth, listeners, so if you can hear rattling, that's what it is. Um Right, let's go to the start. Someone's yelled, cut, cameras are rolling. We hear the opening bars of Yaz, the only way is up. We see Brian on his mobility scooter, cruising the streets of Bolton, as Paul Leroy from Chuli FM uh, advertises the Grand Gala opening night uh, of the Phoenix. And, and it, I saw a meme the other day that said, you can't hear a picture. And then it had Brian coming over the... Little brow of the hill on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, so we, we hear that. Uh, Brian is making his way through pretty decrepit estate, I think we can say. Yeah, it's uh, kind of old terraced houses, isn't it? Probably seen better days, really. Yeah. I think a lot of it is um, sort of where Peter's family are from, essentially. Those establishing shots are just where they live, essentially. Yeah, and uh, you've got to have a certain degree of sympathy for Mr. Roger Halliwell in this opening scene, who <laughs> rolls, uh, sorry, Brian rolls past uh, a man scribbling some graffiti off the wall saying, Roger Halliwell shagged my wife, and one can only assume that that's Roger Halliwell sheepishly scribbling off foot-high letters <laughs> saying that he'd shagged someone off his wife. So we then hear, this will take you all back, classic ringtone. Beep, 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 beep. Boop, boop. that old Nokia and it's uh, our first introduction to Kenny Senior who is on the roof putting the lights up and uh, yeah what well, Brian appears behind him tells Kenny young Kenny to get the chair ready and this is the first sort of introduction to both the Kennys my first question is what's the relationship between Kenny Senior and young Kenny well, I'm not sure you'd get a straight answer out of Kenny Senior on that one, would you? Let's face it. No, no, he'd probably say he found him floating down the river in a basket or something like that. But it's just one of the, is it father and son? I don't know. I don't think it's ever even sort of mentioned, is it? I don't know. No. No, but both of those characters played uh, by Archie Kelly and Justin Morehouse, uh, respectively. And, um, yeah, neither of them, the only person who sort of goes into their, their character that they have throughout the whole series is, is young Kenny with his 
what is he? He's like a skivvy to Brian Potter, isn't he? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, what what do they actually do? <laughs> These, this pair sort of are just, are they just regulars that have ended up just mucking in, basically? Yeah. You and I have both volunteered for the <laughs> and you know exactly how that happened. <laughs> yeah. it, they're just on the committee, which basically means they just run the whole bloody show. So... This is another nod to the Cam Bryan walk, which they ditch soon after this, because it cuts from Brian Potter in his mobility scooter back to Kenny Senior on the roof, who can't see the missing bulbs that Brian's trying to point out. But then when it cuts back to young Kenny and Brian, Brian's in the wheelchair seemingly instantaneously. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, the, f- the first nod to that, isn't it? That That kind of later dropped sort of in joke there's a couple more throughout the whole series but that's the like i think that's the most obvious one because it is just it's such, such a quick edit like from from him shouting up to it going back to kenny senior and then back down again he's just instantly in the chair so yeah and they soon ditch that storyline so we'll see if we can see any more i think it comes up again in another episode so brian says you want to see it for miles around think of las vegas opening night tonight and uh, Kenny gets young Kenny gets him up the ramp in the wheelchair. He can't hear any banging. Where's Rafferty, Jimmy? Well, he's on, gone on his lunch apparently. That's yeah. Half past ten. Go oh on. no, he's no, he's gone to get supplies. That's it. Yeah, because then Brian says you'll work your lunch. I'll see to that. Yeah, he's <laughs> gone to get supplies, which are traffic cones and uh, uh, like road signs, temporary road signs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Taking them into the club, and when when his builders do emerge, that they're all carrying various stuff that you would not need for the yeah. of the club, like traffic cones, men at work signs, a miner's lamp as well. At one point, which then shows up later on when yeah, the, the it does. yeah, it does. But we have missed the introduction of another character here. So as Brian's wheeled in through the foyer, he spots uh, a banner on a sticker over the door, and it says C H. Dash, dash, CH, what's missing? You are. And uh, Brian says, where is she? Who does he mean? He means our beloved, Oli Mary. Oli Mary. Yeah, so uh, she's blowing up some balloons. With uh, make it right, see the light on. Uh, and other phrases. Um, yeah, she's, she's one of the bar staff, isn't she? She's a middle-aged Catholic woman. Yeah, uh, obviously the, the the kind of make it uh, yeah make it right. See the light, pop a sling them or something. It's a club, not a mosque. I think is one of my one of my favourite lines. Just ridiculous. <laughs> which leads on to the classic, Brian. They're doing no harm. Tell that to Cat Stevens. Which I'm, <laughs> which <laughs> which if we're going to do a little bit of a, would you write that in 2022? I'm not sure you'd like. Not no. sure he'd throw that line in, would you, anymore? There is a lot of stuff that would not make it. Yeah. A lot. So she, she breathes in some helium and says, God loves you. And Brian says, oh, does he? He's got a funny way of showing it. She's quite lighthearted, isn't she? Uh, she she's not a serious god bother. She makes no. She adds a bit of uh, comic relief to the whole tense situation that Brian appears to find himself in. Which is all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
Uh, we now cut to Brian rolling along behind the bar. Uh, he gets what's a pretty large whiskey glass anyway. He can't reach uh, the the teachers, the optic, to get his whiskey out. And uh, he, he, first of many, or second of many, Rafferty, I'll bloody kill him. Um, I think we should provide a service to people who are in Phoenix Knights quotes groups on this podcast as well, because um, I've actually been banned by Facebook for saying, I'll bloody kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, that's the algorithm, isn't it, coming to get you? Yeah, I'm not really going to bloody kill Rafferty. And then, who comes behind the bar? Now, is this Marion? Because the actress... Sorry, the actor changes in season two, doesn't she? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Is it the same? Is it meant to be the same character or is it two different like barmaids, basically? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Listeners, let us know because I know we've got the internet at our fingertips, but it's not as fun, is it? Yeah, she she comes in and uh, she's stressing. She's got enough to do without uh, being Brian's secretary. The mayor's office are confirmed. Local papers are coming down. Eric sending a fruit machine. Roy Walker's coming at six, and the pot washer won't work. She's got a list of problems as long as you're around. She's almost as stressed as Brian, I would say. Almost. Uh, Brian's response to the pot washer not working: Where is the lazy sod? Classic old joke that is, and she says motors playing up. So yeah, she doesn't want to use her nails. Seventeen quid these each. Yeah, then drops just casually drops in that she spent nearly two hundred quid on her <laughs> on her nails. Yeah. Each hand or each nail? Oh, I, oh, yeah, mate. I don't know. I took it to mean each nail because that's that's how much I know about how people having their nails painted. But there you go. That's yeah, expensive then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's guess. That's another question. Then we're about to be introduced to. Uh, one of the best supporting characters in the world. Where's the saint? And where do you, where do you think, which sets up the classic, the, the full storyline throughout this whole series about, well, and into the series two, isn't it, of uh, Jerry's issues with his bowels? Yeah, Jerry's on the toilet. He's reading a leaflet about bowel and colon care, which is endorsed by Rob, Bob Carriages. Because <laughs> <laughs> those things back then sort of were. Uh, what? How long are you going to be? How long's a piece of string? What string? The same. So Brian then uh, is inquiring about the band for the, for the gala opening night. Have you phoned them, says Brian. No, not yet, says Jerry. Look, I've had some bad reports. The Vulcan had them last week and there was nearly a riot. Obviously, he's talking about uh, uh, the band that's coming on later, Half a Shilling. Uh, and he says, with Half a Shilling, they're a folk band, not the you. Flat, clap, flat caps and clogs, this lot will lap it up. Would, would there ever have been a time when any audience in the 2000s would have lapped up? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when we get to the establishing shots of the crowd for that evening, they're not exactly uh, young and hip, are they? So they're no. perhaps appealing to uh, <laughs> a slightly older demographic there. <laughs> Jerry once again voices his protest that he's got a bad feeling. Brian says, it's your ass. get them wrong. And Jerry then also protests and says, we should have had a support act for £15. And Brian says, I've got enough. Free bingo and a pasty and peace supper. What more do they want? And then I think probably the first 
uh, catchphrase of the whole series. Stop crapping. Get cracking. We've work to do. Avanti. So we use that myself now. Yeah. Whether or not the other person's crapping. <laughs> We've work to do. Avanti. So that's them. <laughs> and then we cut back to the outside shots again. It is Lance. Uh, Eric, Eric Skivvy. Yeah. As- Eric is one of my favourite recurring characters in, in this whole thing. Um, and he, he runs the uh, game Sans Frontier, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of like the company they rent all their bandits off and, and snooker table sort of pub game. You've just got a shot of your six-foot kaplunk. Anything, <laughs> anything you want. Right, so Lance says it's the last one, referring to the bandit, the one-armed bandit on the mich- on the back of the truck. And Brian says, I don't care if it's the last of the Mohicans. I ordered the Matrix, not Das Boot. Lance says it was a classic film. Take it for your front room. Impress your friends, says Brian. And there's a bit of an exchange there. Uh, and then Brian asks, where's Eric? I want to speak to the organist, not the monkey grinder. Still Again. That. I said An- that. Another catchphrase, I think. That's... I said that at work the other day. <laughs> the other person was looking at us, I don't know. <laughs> in, in retrospect, it was quite a serious meeting, so... <laughs> probably shouldn't probably, have. Been. Probably not appropriate. Well, you know, enough crapping, get cracking. You, you live and learn. <laughs> Can't go back. Uh, and Eric's busy, apparently. Um, and then... <laughs> And then an old man appears on the screen with an eye patch on and a quality street tin. Uh, what door do you want me on tonight? And Brian dismisses the captain, uh, who's the aging veteran doorman of the club. There's definitely, I've got a memory of a like quality street tin with little raffle tickets in. That's definitely a, that's in there somewhere. I don't know. I don't know which club, but yeah. I don't know, yeah, but that's what the captain's got, and that's all. Yeah. So they negotiate a fortnight free for the Das Boot uh, fruit machine. Uh, then Brian pushes him over the edge, says, make it a month, and they stick it in the Pennine suite. Then here's Rafferty and his builders. With their supplies. <laughs> yeah, says, where have you lot been getting supplies? What for your gut is the response. I don't know if you've heard, but we're open tonight. <laughs> and Rafferty's trying to reassure him uh, and says it'll all be sorted and Brian says I might agree but I'm not as feng shui as you <laughs> get the rest of the village people inside classic <laughs> inside with their own sides uh, right so then Brian then asks Kenny to get his Zantac because he's filling up where Am I, I sort of at that, at that point? It's the first time you actually see Rafferty, and it yeah. feels like before that, are you just supposed to assume that he's an Irish builder? Is that like, is that sort of a joke that, and then he's not, he's a sort of Asian man, basically? That's kind of like the, the payoff of that, isn't it? Yeah, you're expecting like off Faulty Towers, the uh, O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I'm really, yeah. decided to look for. Right, so then we cut to uh, the main cabaret suite of the Phoenix, 
Jerry is uh, sorting some stuff out on stage. Jerry the Saint St. Clair, played by Dave Spikey, uh, the compare without compare, uh, allegedly. He's looking for the bingo machine. He can't find it. And then he asks if you've seen... He asks Les, sorry, from Les Alanos, um, who's, who's just arrived, to set up for the big opening night. Les is the drummer in Les Alanos, the best, the best, fuck me, the best back in, in clubland. Um, have you seen Alan? This is where it gets a bit intense, don't it? He should be here by now. Where is he? Where is he, Jimmy? Well, I think we all know where he is, don't we? I think we, uh, he's, uh, <coughs> I'm afraid he's in Stranraer, which I think you'll find is in Scotland. Yeah, it is. And that's our first. It's Jerry that gets the first Stranraer in. Uh, does Potter know he'll do his nut? Who's going to do the keyboards for my opening number? And then Les is confident in his mate. He says, he'll be here, he won't let us down. And then arrives, uh, perhaps the biggest liability uh, in the show. It's it's Spencer from the youth club. who's um, arrived. In, uh, Les introduces uh, Spencer to Jerry, explains he's doing the disco, and uh, Spencer's carrying a box of CDs with him. What does Jerry say? <laughs> have you got a sale <laughs> are you having a sale son because we've not got a cd player Spencer <laughs> just looks gone out ironically nowadays you probably also struggle to find a cd player now because everyone would want to have vinyl wouldn't they yeah definitely or get you know get your old uh mp3 player on the go and ditch all these giant boxes <laughs> Right now we cut to a couple of characters who've got their own spin-off series, another character played by Peter Kay. So we see two bouncers um, carrying a stepladder, having a very typically bouncery conversation about fighting people, which is all bouncers ever talk about, I find. Yeah, (laughs) seemingly also about parents' evening, which... I noticed that today. So they're talking about, yeah, Max is talking about somebody jumped on his back, slipped his jacket off, went in with the boot. Paddy says, now wrong with that. Paddy, played by Patrick McGuinness. Quick says a kick to the temple. Good night, my friend. And then Paddy says, that's why I don't go to parents' evenings. Yeah. In the... Um, flying, isn't it? Go on. Yeah. Because in, uh, in the commentary, it sort of says basically that they don't really know why they put that in. There wasn't even really a plan to to write in that either of them had kids. It just must have been a bit of an off-the-cuff thing that uh, like Paddy thought was funny, and then they just didn't reshoot it essentially. But yeah, it wasn't there was there was never there was never even a sort of plan prior that there would be any mention of kids either before or after that point, I don't think. It's a funny joke, like. But if you're doing it in a sitcom that doesn't follow that that tangent, then it's pretty pointless. But there you go. Yeah. What do we know? He's a multi-millionaire. We're not. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so now they're arguing over who's going up the ladder. Max ain't going up. Do you know why? Two words, my friend. Falklands. Yeah, exactly. Is he even old enough to be in the Falklands? I I don't think so. They're arguing of who's going to put the banner with grand opening night. We then cut back to um, 
the rehearsals for the big opening number in, in the main cabaret suite. <laughs> Jerry's practicing his uh, re remastered, uh, rewritten version of New York, New York, but he's changed it to Phoenix, Phoenix. He's singing away up there, but he's not the only one on stage. Just Les on drums, who's providing the backing. Are my eyes playing tricks on me, Jerry? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's two of the builder. Also, sort of before before uh, Brian gets to gets there, we also get another sort of knock away of the captain as well. What door yeah. am I on tonight? Sod off! Captain, <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to know what door he's on. Bloody hell! Well, are my eyes dreaming, or have you got two builders singing Acapulco? Whoa, 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 whoa! Sweet baby Jesus and the orphans. What the hell's going on? Jerry says he's got to practice his opening for tonight. There's not going to be an opening. There's not going to be an opening. Not with the pissing lighthouse family up there singing instead of grafting. Get down the period. <laughs> one of the builders is black and one of them's white. Yeah. And they may return later on, mightn't they? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. We will. Brian obviously spots that Jerry's rehearsing with just a drummer, which... Drums and vocals, it's never going to fill the room with uh, quality sound. But. So he says, where's where's Alan? And it's down to Leslie to uh, break the news that he's in Stranra. Stranra? In Scotland? Today? Stranra? Oh, me angina, you're killing me. It's probably my favourite quote when the builders are going back to work. Hey, you want to sing him if you're in the lads? Because it's coming. <laughs> And tries to ring Alan, uh, played by the fantastic Steve Edge, uh, but he's in some misty Scottish deal. Quite clearly broken down. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's the moment where you realise that he's not, you know, he's not bombing it down the motorway to get back for for opening night. He's actually uh, that sweet to recall. Is uh, is not hauling anywhere. No, he's broken down, and uh, Brian. Back at the club, points out he probably can't get a signal in Stranraer. <laughs> it's all. I think it's the uh, first time you see anyone uh, on on Alan's phone. Uh, Brian's in as Ironside as well, which is a little callback to a sort of I don't know seventies, eighties detective show. That's, uh, coincidentally, the same phone uh, that Maxim used later <laughs> <laughs> in the thing. Um, so Brian says, can we close the circus and open the club? And the man from the brewery's arrived. So uh, Brian proceeds to pass young Kenny uh, some equipment for Max and Paddy. What are they? Sets. Headsets. Sets for your head. Yeah, that's what they are. Uh, so he gets to give them uh, a cross. Uh, Brian asks what else has gone on. Somebody's nicked the bingo machine. And then just to nearly top him over the edge. Young Spencer comes in. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. Leslie, can I hold it? <laughs> so Brian's a bit annoyed that, uh, yeah, he's delegated some stuff, but not to his satisfaction. So we go back, back to Max and Paddy, uh, putting the banner up out the front. 
Max is up the ladder, so the Falklands obviously didn't cut it. <laughs> as, as an excuse, it didn't wash. <laughs> so Max starts uh, a very long-running joke throughout the series. Certainly this series, I don't know if it goes to series two. Uh, but he starts to point out that uh, Paddy's hairs were going a bit thin on top. He said, I can see your head. And Paddy says, it's always been like that. Uh, his hair's very fine. I don't know about fine, it's thin. It's not thin, it's anorexic. That's a bit mean, isn't it, really? It is a bit, yeah. There's also there's a quite a funny moment in the uh, commentary where Paddy essentially has a moment of realisation that his hair is incredibly thin in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel that like, because he, he, he has gone bold now, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that's, that, that little scene is often repeated any time I watch Top Gear, to be fair, much to my wife's annoyance. Bold <laughs> <laughs> oh, there. Uh, so yeah, young Kenny comes out, gives them the headsets, sets for the head. And then we cut back to Brian and the bloke from Smithills Brewery. The Grand Gala opening leaflet things. God knows what they are. Menus? Yeah, I, I thought that when I watched it again, sort of, the other day. Like, what? what's the purpose of that when it is it is the opening night? So what What are they for? Yes, yeah, people there, they already know. Yeah, they've, Jerry already said they're not having any food. So, Well, no, bingo. It's all there. Grand Gala opening. Okay, good. Very good. Brian seems happy. Who's Brain? <laughs> brain? Brain Potter. Brain Potter on the front and Brain Potter on the back. It's a disgrace. Pop up as well. And then what looks like some sort of a Victorian London corner pub as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks nothing like the Phoenix. And in a last-ditch attempt to try and appeal to Brian's ego, the man from Smithers Brewery uh, pulls a little tab and uh, a cutout Brian Potter pops up in a wheelchair with flames coming with, with with flames as well, which is completely <laughs> unexplained. <laughs> Brilliant! Uh, he tells him to get it off, get it off now. Uh, young Kenny reappears, chucks the headsets on the table, and says, "Stick them up your ass." Cut back outside. Max is saying to Paddy, "I know why you don't want to wear them. You don't want to mess up your hair." what hair you've got left. I think Paddy gives him fair warning here. Yeah, he, I think the, the mood definitely turns, doesn't it, at that point, I would say. He says, don't. He's quite obviously not enjoying the banter. And Max starts calling him Baldy, Baldy banter. But then he gets told to leave it again. That's your second strike. Then we've got six Baldies on the bounce. And that's when... That's when he... The, the switch flicks, doesn't it? He's had enough. He starts shaking the stepladder, uh, resorting in Max, crashing through the window just as uh, the last pop-up Brian Potter goes in the bin. A very nice copper bin, I noticed. I don't know why I noticed that. And Brian says, shine a light. What was that? And Max has gone through the window. Is it, it's, a, it's a beautiful bit of editing as well in that the, the Brian hits the bottom of the bin. As, yeah. the, as the smash happens. Max is quite clearly in pain. Paddy tries to cover it up. He says, is he all right? Is he fell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Max is on the floor flicking the Vs at Paddy. And then we hit the half-time point. 
yeah, we cut cut back straight into the, the thick of it of opening night. Yeah, it's dark. The crowds are thronging outside. Uh, Max uh, is asking them to get back, uh, and in the queue, uh, one of the women says, "We're penned in here like cows." <laughs> yeah, it's not like fifteen quid a ticket. We're penned in like cows, and they've got the headsets on. Yeah, so they've some no. Max Max reneged on climbing the ladder and Paddy yeah, finally agreed to put the headsets on. And then I think possibly just for the sheer ridiculousness of the line, Max comes over the line and says, punch her in the face. Paddy says it. <laughs> Is it? Oh, no, because Paddy's at the front. That's it. Yeah, yeah. 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 But again, I have been banned on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> punch her in the face. <laughs> So the, the angry crowd want to know why they can't go around the front because that's for VIPs only, love. And if you notice, at the front, they've got a sign that says VIPs and at the back door, it says others. Yeah. <laughs> right, so yeah. we, we cut to the front. Who's we, cut, there? we cut to TV's own Roy Walker, who looks... I see, oh, again, in the commentary, there's a bit of a back and forth about whether Roy's playing the sort of confused celebrity or whether he's actually not sure why he's agreed to, to, to do this whole this whole uh, episode in the first place. And that's why he looks, uh, I think, uh, Neil Fitzmaurice says, a bit glazed throughout the whole thing. <laughs> what I was going to say is, he's either a bloody brilliant actor or a terrible actor, and I can't decide which it is. <laughs> I think it's the little, so he holds up, the, so they've got this kind of cheap bit of ribbon and then yeah. he holds up the rubbish kids' scissors, safety scissors, and just, it's just the, yeah, like you say, it's either a brilliant bit of comedy acting, but just the look that he gives to the scissors, it's just so it's funny. Bit, doesn't it? Because yeah. they do the countdown, Brian starts 10, and then almost straight away, Roy goes, nine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they all look at him like, what are you doing? And they're like eight, <laughs> and they do it a lot slower. So, yeah, the countdown. I might do the whole countdown for you, everyone. That'd be a bit boring. The lights go up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Phoenix Club. Yay. Look at the lights, look at the lights, says Brian. And he gives his welcoming, welcoming remarks. Ladies and gentlemen, and Roy, welcome to the Phoenix Club. And they all clap and cheer. So they're heading through to the Pennine Suite. Canapes will be served forthwith, says Brian. Paddy's been a bit laddy on the headsets. Eyeball, eyeball, I've got a convoy here. 10-4 rubber dick. And Max says, less of the rubber dick. <laughs> Baldy. <laughs> but you'd think he'd have learned his bloody lesson, wouldn't you? Having I mean, been shoved off a ladder through a window, you think you might... At least give it, yeah. At least give the that that joke a rest for at least that night. Crazy, surprised he's back at work. Anyway, uh, so the dignitaries, local dignitaries, are heading through to Pennine Suite. But who sat with his quality street tin in front of the door? Straight up with his uh, the captain, straight up with his uh, walking stick to block the way as well. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. what's going on here? Who's signing this lot in? 30 pence a piece and don't forget the raffle. There's, I think, about a, a good half a dozen 
versions of that scene because uh, Peter can't stop laughing as he gets wheeled in as well. <laughs> like he just keeps going. It's just so funny. It's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> if he does say so himself. So, so they're letting people in. Obviously, he's, uh, Paddy's cementing his uh, characters. Eye for the ladies. Uh, I think that's cinematic shorthand they call that, don't they? Um, yeah. There's a number of sleazy remarks. Uh, Lordy, I wouldn't mind hanging out of that. And that. While the mayor is rummaging around in his pockets uh, to get his 30 pence. Brian <laughs> comes <laughs> what's going on here? Can I get through? Who's And the captain's still asking who's signing this lot in. And Brian has to point out, that's TV, TV's own Roy Walker, that. Go through, Roy. Can you get through? So that's done. They're all in. They're, They're in, in, finally. Yeah. Okay. There's a, Peter apparently heard a, a taxi driver use the phrase... I wouldn't mind hanging out of that when he was uh, when the calls were on the radio in the taxi, and made a mental note of that's that that I'm going to use that at some point. <laughs> I know, I know, this isn't about the office, but the calls get a bit of uh, sexualisation in the office as well, don't they? Yeah, he did say it was a it was a, a taxi in Northern Ireland, and then um, I was telling this little anecdote to my wife yesterday, and she went, "Don't." do the accent on when you record the podcast. So I'm not going to do that. But yeah, it, it's very funny. I wouldn't mind hanging out at that. That was more Southern Ireland, wasn't it? <laughs> any, any Northern Irish people want to school me in accents? Get in touch. Send us a voice note of you doing it. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're all in. <laughs> it's time for the disco to start. Poor old Spencer has had to go home and get... It's limited selection of vinyl singles. Uh, so he opens up, as you would, with another, let's get ready to rumble, which all the pensioners in the Phoenix Club appreciate. And then he uh, drops a needle and he says, all right, it's coming up now. It's Alan Jones singing that Walking in the Air song. It's a classic. Here we go. So it plays. And... Uh, Ever the uh, ever the nerd Spencer says uh, singing about walking in the air. Then when he was actually flying, uh, complete misnomer <laughs> on every level. Right, so we cut to Brian, guest of honour, TV's own Roy Walker. Brian's apologising about the smell of gloss again. Does Roy like it? Is he? I, I can't. Yeah, just yeah. bemused to be like either. At real life Roy or Roy in the Phoenix Lights universe are both equally bemused, I think, by the whole <laughs> the whole scenario that he's found himself in. He is meant to be looking around like he doesn't know what's going on. He's done a great job. Yeah. Truly. Uh, he's looking around. He's, he's pretending to give a crap about <laughs> how the Phoenix Club looks. He quite clearly doesn't. So Brian asks how TV's going. And Roy says, all right, you know. What, was it going all right for Roy then in 2001? Is Roy Walker still alive? I, I don't know. I feel like we should find out right now. Okay. He is still alive and he's 82 years old. Whoa. So he was 62 then, ish. Yeah. So he presented catchphrase between 1986 and 99. So he'd sort of pretty much last in the last couple of years finished doing. Uh, catchphrase at that point. So. When he's saying, oh, TV's all right, I cannot remember seeing Roy Walker in anything else. 
No, no, not at all. That's because he was in. He was a sort of stand. He was a stand-up, wasn't he? But that was kind of before. That was before kind of he made all his money doing catchphrase, presumably. I don't know. I only know him from catchphrase. I don't know him from comedy. I don't know him. this and catchphrase. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, like not casting, was it? Because obviously Roy Walker's a real person, but brilliant, like of them to sit and think, well, what sort of people could we get to be the, the guest of honour? A bit of a strike of genius having Roy Walker. I think it, it, it again feeds into like, Peter Kay was is essentially obsessed with sort of seventies, eighties TV. So yeah. you know, the fact that he presented catchphrase for the best part of fifteen years is like you know kind of he's sort of part of the part of the furniture of Peter Kay's world. I'd say fair play and, and mine, I guess as well. The kids, my kids love catchphrase now with Stephen Mulhern. With Stephen Mulhern, yeah. I like Stephen Mulhern. It's funny. He's a good lad. This is not a podcast. TV, about. TV's own Stephen Mulhern, as we should now call him. <laughs> when we reboot this TV program one day, <laughs> we'll have uh, we Mulhern opening. We do a shot for shot Nuneaton remake. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian asks Roy's catchphrase coming back, and he says, "I don't do that anymore." Brian seems generally disappointed in that, but then he says, "You've pissed on you, Mister Chips." <laughs> and Roy does a great sort of look of utter disdain at yeah. that moment as well. Yeah, yeah. Right, then we cut to back outside to the bouncers, Max and Paddy. This is, this little section, Phoenix Knights fans probably going to crucify me. I don't find it funny at all. Can you hear me now, I think? Is, do you think that's because it's been, like, overdone over the last 20 years? When it was first on, right out of the gate, oh. all the time. I think it, yeah, I think you're right. I think it used to be funny. I feel I feel bad that like literally as I signed on to this call before I'd even put my camera on, I said, "Can you hear me now?" Well, that's that's okay. That's well. <laughs> I just I just mean people like still watch that bit and like cry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know the whole thing is full of of brilliant moments isn't it it's not just that one it's kind of like again we're not talking about the office but it's like people that think that the only thing that happened is the dance isn't it like it's that is funny <laughs> that's probably just me being a nerd right so so they're, they're experimenting with the, the headsets with their their range i guess uh they figure out that they're probably deer and they're just in the car park at this stage they haven't gone very far walking in the air is still on um, <laughs> I feel like the phrase they're, they're dear these is such a sort of brilliant bit of just it's a thing that people would say like it's it's yeah. a bit of nothing but it's just like perfectly placed they just made the assumption that they probably would be shit because because <laughs> Brian gave them to them basically <laughs> <laughs> but they've figured out they're actually decent bits of kit so yeah right we cut walking in the air still on uh but Jerry's not got walking in there in his head. He emerges from what we can only assume is a backstage area. He's got his jacket on, his dicky boat, jacket slung over his shoulder, and he's working the crowd, isn't he? He's in his element, isn't he, at that point? He, like, thinks he's, I don't know, Brad Pitt or something. He's, like, he's absolutely loving the attention or seemingly putting himself, putting his own attention on everyone else, basically. Yeah. He's going around seeing but way up, Billy, like your glasses, son, all that. These two women who were pending like cows. 
And he says, uh, all the glamour girls are in, you know, working the crowd. All right, Moira, how's Ron? Is he still in hospital? She says, no. And Jerry says, oh, that's good news. But sadly, Marion says, yeah. <laughs> So he's actually dead. Uh, <laughs> so he put his foot in it there. So yeah. walking, walking in the air comes to its uh, conclusion, its crescendo. And what, what does he drop in in his seamless mix following that? Obviously, the, the next best thing to walking in the air is yeah. Paul Hardcastle's anti-war song, 19. <laughs> no, 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 19. And throughout both of these songs, they do like cutaway shots to, to the patrons of the club, don't they? And they all look bored to death. Yeah, yeah. I think that's um, the part of the kind of appeal of those shots is that they, the, I don't think the audience knew what was happening at that point. They, they just didn't. Yeah, basically, they were told to just react to whatever was going to happen because a lot of them are like Peter's friends and family, essentially. Nan's in it a lot, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they didn't know that Spencer was going to be dropping some of these heavy hits on them. (laughs) So there's a bit of stress they should have started up by now. Is Alan here yet? No, he's not. Alan's still coming back from Stromra, but the band are here. Thank God for that. We then see that uh, Roy, TV's own Roy Walker's turned around and he's got a big stripe of white gloss down his jacket from where he's obviously leaned against the door frame. And Holy Mary and Brian are uh, trying to coax him to take his jacket off. And Brian's telling him it's warm. And Roy says he's fine. He don't want to take his jacket off. But we get the K classic here, don't we? That worked into the stand-up. The say what you see, Roy. Another. I know you won't feel the. You won't feel. The, oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Like you'll be shivering. Yeah. But Roy's still not budging. He can't get his. They can't get him to take his jacket off. So early Mary can try and get the gloss, the stripe of gloss. It's pretty big, isn't it? It runs like it's probably about a foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like probably. At two inches thick as well. It's not like a little sort of, he's not just uh, brushed past a door frame. <laughs> it, it just feeds into this theme of them throughout the whole show where oftentimes if they just went, look, this ain't going to work. Let's stop doing this and do something else. <laughs> Most of their problems is that they try and cover things up and muddle through and, and that just ends up making things horrendously worse. And I think they've sort of like, you know, for a, for a, a social working men's club in sort of Greater Manchester, Bolton area, what, you know, Brian Brian at the beginning says, you know, got more lights than that. I think Las Vegas. I think they want sort of, what he wants is like Caesar's Palace and, yeah. But you don't get that. So, yeah, they're asking Roy what he thinks of the club. Roy's very disinterested. I like it. I like it. I like the way you've got the, he doesn't finish his sentence. And Brian chips in with, Say what you see, Roy. Another, and it gets another catchphrase sort of jibe in there, which Roy is suitably unimpressed with. Well, I'm sorry, but I think Roy's making out, don't you know me from anything else? And the answer, Roy, is no, I don't. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think, I think, yeah, I don't think anyone does really, do they? I don't know. Roy, if you're listening, tell us what you've done. I'll send a link to TP's own Roy Walker. That you feature a lot in this. So we get to stage. Jerry's up on stage. Welcome to all of you to the gala opening night of the Phoenix Club. It's a very special occasion indeed. And because of that, there'll be no bingo. 
And they all Which say, has got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they can't find the bingo machine, obviously. <laughs> it was all planned. There was never going to be bingo. <laughs> so then, this, this really odd thing that compares, I don't know if they have to do it or if it's some sort of tradition, he introduces the backing band, the best backing band in Clubland, Les Alanos. Alan has arrived. He's not wearing his tuxedo, though. He's wearing his uh, HGV overalls. Uh, so Les and Alan, Les and Alan go on stage behind the uh, drums and keyboard, respectively, and they begin playing "Peaches" in it by the Stranglers. Is it? Is that what it is? Oh, I did, uh, yeah. No, I think you're right. Some theme. No, I don't know. Is it? Yeah. It is Peaches, yeah. But then Jerry has to introduce himself. I've seen that happen before. Yeah, that's. Uh... I think the I think the the main uh, the main highlight of this scene is the little shoulder roll that Jerry gives himself just before oh, he gets on stage. <laughs> Which website has helpfully said it's the theme to the saint. Oh well, there you go. Oh well, that makes Thank sense, doesn't it? As it's course. Jerry the Saint, Saint Clair. Yeah. The audience goes, "Well, welcome to the show. Let's get the show on the road. Opening bars of uh, Phoenix, Phoenix. Hope not." <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of someone like who's been in bands, you have an idea and you change the words to a song and it's really funny and you and your mates in the band get it, but you've not counted for the fact that the audience have got no idea and it's a very popular song. So he's trying to sing his uh, lyrics, start spreading the news. Uh, We're open tonight. He's trying to sing, but the audience are over to get over the top of him, the real lyrics to New York, New York. I want to be a part of it. Phoenix, Phoenix, but you can't hear him say that because everyone's sick. So I've got a reasonable amount of sympathy. <laughs> and I think there's a, there's also, a, you know, as part of that whole culture, there's a general assumption that you would join in and sing along with the songs, isn't there? So it's not, That's it shouldn't have, it, yeah, it shouldn't have been uh, under underestimated. It shouldn't have, probably should have been thought of at that point that, that, uh, Everyone was going to know the words to New York, New York. There's a beautiful moment where it cuts to a close-up of um, Peter's nan, and she just doesn't know the words, which is quite funny. Then disaster strikes through the big opening number. Power goes off. Poof, everything pitch black. We then cut to back outside to more of this. Uh, can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> Side Max is on the bus. That bit's quite funny. I, I think that's all right. So after that piece of comedy classic, uh, we go back inside the club and uh, the, the bar staff are handing out some of Rafferty's lamps. Yeah. Lights and stuff like Those, that. The bits, the, the ones that you put on top of cones on the motorway for night time as well that flash on and off. Yeah, it's so a good, it's a, I mean, it's a good job they went and got supplies, really. That's all I can say. <laughs> but again, flashbacks to the caddy club here. Jerry's fiddling with the fuse box with the is it switchboard? What am I trying to say? Breakers? Yeah, it's the well, it's yeah. In the old days, it was the fuse box, wasn't it? But yeah, they're like breakers, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, Bright keeps pressing all the switches <laughs> while she's trying to do it. What's the damage? Is the question. I've got a shock up my arm. Jerry says, "Let me get the first shut up, your girl." From Brian to Jerry. Where's Les and Alan? It's all chaos. Brian's in the doorway, 
Spencer butts his head in and says, my decks aren't working, it's pitch black out there, it's ridiculous, it's unprofessional, you can stick your disco. And then you get, yeah, get a lovely payoff of from Brian. Who is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't matter anymore, he's gone, but he shall be returning at some point, I've no doubt. But luckily, Les has got another mate to help out. This is Ray Vaughn. Ray who? Vaughn, as in Ray Vaughn. Is he a turn? He's a spark. Tell him what you said. And it's Neil Fitzmaurice, who also wrote the first series, didn't he? Yeah. Dave and Pete, you've overloaded your main circuit. Way too many bulbs on that roof. And Brian says, I said that. No, you didn't, Brian. It's a, yeah, a great example of Brian refusing to accept that he is any in any way, shape, or form part of the problem at any point. <laughs> so, so he's trying to get him to fix it. Ray Vaughn's reluctant, but when he gets uh, offered some pay, he uh, says, "I'll run out to the van and get my gear." They, they start arguing amongst themselves about the breaker, switchboard, fuse box thing, and who comes in? It's the singer of Arthur Schilling. What's that? Who's his? What's his name? The actor. I've got to re-download IMDb. Oh, blimey. What is his name? He could do loads of stuff, hasn't he? Obviously, the classic being Alfie's own pet. Yeah, and he's been in Benidorm. Yeah. Tim Healy. Tim Healy, that's it. Yeah, so so he's there, and uh, <laughs> he's been all Lancashire about it, isn't he? Uh, he says, are we having a three-day wick out here or what? Who's that, says Brian? It's black as old out there. And Jerry says, I don't think we're going on about a power cut. And uh, do you want to take uh, half a shilling front man's line here? What? No. We, d- <laughs> we don't need electric right. fork band. Brian, can you speak English? You're sending me over the edge. And then uh, as, soon, as quick as you like, he switches to a very posh kind of southern English voice and says we're acoustic unplugged we don't need electric sorry I was going to say the, uh, the there's a deleted scene of uh, half a shilling arriving yeah. and Jerry talking to them and um, Tim Healy introduces them in the kind of posh voice essentially so which like I think again one of those sort of jokes that didn't make it in was that they're not actually northern and uh at Fork Band, they're just like some <laughs> playing this role of yeah, the, they're sort of serious thespian actors. So they, they're trying to get half a shilling on, but there's no microphone. Jerry has to use the uh, megaphone, which one only assumes they use for fire drills and stuff. And we cut to him on stage saying, In show business, there's an old saying, the show must go on. So that's what we're going to do. Your own, your very own, half a shilling. So they come on. Tim Healy asks everyone, How's the doing? And the audience say, we're doing fine. Now, the audience must have known that must be a thing, mustn't it? Like yeah, a, yeah. A call and response thing from Clubland. Yeah. Anywhere else. No, I don't, yeah. I, yeah that's it. I suppose if, unless, like I say, they were sort of, they didn't know what was going to happen, but unless they were told to do that at that moment, it'd be, a, unless it is a kind of thing that, it's just a known call and response clubland style thing that happens. Yeah. Pass. Right. Then 
they're on, half a shilling, doing their little instrumental opening number. Interviewed by Deborah Quinn from the Bolton Independent Leader. She wants to know if you've got a problem with your electrics. Brian passes it off. Classic bit of uh, showbiz here. Says, oh, no, it's all part of the show. These boys insist on it. Lovely bit of quick thinking there from uh, from Brian. That was good. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty happy with that. I'd, I'd have been chuffing myself if I'd come mm. up with that. But then you've got to hope the electric's going to come back on. But anyway, we cut to uh, Kenny Senior with his new best mate, is Roy Walker. Has he been signed to sort of look after Roy? Because he seems to yeah. do a lot, doesn't he? Sort of got him, got him near the bar, so he can't yeah. escape. Basically, That's is this right. the first time we hear Kenny and some some uh, classic Kenny lies, essentially? So, so Kenny Senior is based on that thing that every pub, social club, non-league football team has got, which is the chronic bullshitter. Yeah. They are everywhere. And Kenny is sort of an amalgamation of all of them. Uh, and he's telling Roy Walker an anecdote about uh, when he was on the centre court and he'd not even been seeded. <laughs> I think uh, I think Kenny crawled so uh, Jay from the in-betweeners could walk, couldn't he, really? Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah, that's true, isn't it? I bet, I'm, I bet there's a little bit of Kenny Senior uh, in the influence of the in-betweeners there. Yeah, definitely one of my favourites, Kenny Senior. But then all the lights come back on, so uh, Roy's got a genuine reason to celebrate. Rayvon sticks his head around the door, should be right now. They say, well done. Uh, we cut back to Kenny and Roy, my, one of my favourite exchanges in the whole thing. Um, it's great how you keep up the Irish accent when you're not on telly. And Roy says, I am Irish, you know. Are you? And Roy says, aye, aye. He says, oh, I thought you were just pissing about like that Jerry Adams. He goes, he's Irish as well, you know. <laughs> Fair play to him. Brilliant. Fair play to him for me. <laughs> of all the Irish people he could have picked. <laughs> if you can hear that, everyone, that's my dog. Uh, sort of yawning. It's not It's not me. So we then cut away. All the things seem to be going a bit better down at the club now. Uh, in the chip shop. Max is there. He's got the bus to the chip shop. He's asking if he wants salt and vinegar over the headsets. So the headsets reach, which is a bus right away, this, the chip shop. Yeah. Then the, the uh, Chinese chap behind the counter doesn't put salt and vinegar or tomato sauce on, despite them being specific instructions. It's a beautiful bit of like pointing as well that always makes me laugh, where he just yeah. goes from the chips to the ketchup and back again and then sort of rolls his eyes and picks them up. Yeah, so... Chinese chip shop man just says next please Max has to point at the chip and the no tomato sauce we then go back Brian's in, interview with the Bolton independent leaders in full swing uh, we get another bit of a look back to that Peter K thing where she asked him about his first club being flooded and his second one burning down and now you've rebuilt this why uh, third time lucky I guess <laughs> he does his little laugh and he's, he's asked general questions about the future of Clubland. Clubland will never die, he says. And she asks about more established clubs. And this is where we get our first taste of uh, the disdain of Den Perry. First taste of the local rivalry with the, the Banana Grove. Yeah. Lap dancing on the Sabbath. Den of iniquity, we call it. Little kiddies running around, yay, I. Uh, so Brian says, you've got to cater to the family for a successful club. Nothing offensive, Donna. Deborah, whatever. So, <laughs> Arthur Schilling finished their um, instrumental introduction and we get another How's the Doing? 
it's doing fine. Now, the song. <laughs> um, he introduces it. It's about the time when I asked me mum and dad for some white Holy Communion shoes. Times are hard in our ass. <laughs> dad had to work shifts to buy us them shoes. Any road, when they came back, they weren't white, they were black. So he said, Send the buggers back. He did. Oh, well, One, two, three. Three. Send the buggers back. Oh, send the buggers back. He's not the one I wanted, so now I'm sending him straight back. I only wanted bad ones. You've sent us bloody black. I'm going to stick the lid back on and send the buggers back. Father worked out all his life, then picked in tannery. He lived in every hour, got sent from June to January. He saved his pen. In the, in the sort of canon, it, were, were Arthur Schilling actually meant to be racist, or is it a big misunderstanding? Again, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's very clear, is it? Is that, unless there was a. Unless this, this song was the kind of intro to that, and then after that, it got. More obvious. Yeah, because I don't know if they're having a dig at local press, because they said, didn't they, there was some trouble at the Vulcan when they had them. Um, yeah. And, and that, you know, I'm looking at the lyrics and, and it's all within the context of some shoes. There's no, <laughs> there's not a lot of ambiguity <laughs> there. And uh, yeah, it's Deborah from the Bolton Independent Leader that says it's racist completely out of the blue. Now, Everyone just jumps on that straight away, doesn't question it. And, and uh, Potter says, get him off the stage, get him off the stage. Hey, nothing offensive, nothing blue. No, just racist. He blew a bloody fuse. He shouted, send the back. Oh, send the Get him off, get him off the stage. Get him off, get him off the stage. Security. Max, Max, get back here quick, he's kicking off. I think there's a there's an absolute that moment of absolute panic of not wanting again sort of Brian's thing of dealing with things in the moment and because he doesn't want anything to go wrong making everything a thousand times worse by sort of massively overreacting and screaming for Max and Paddy essentially he does but Max ain't there so Paddy comes in uh, and they all grab half a shilling and manhandle him off the stage yeah as a, as a sort of aside, the two, the guy playing the accordion and the guy playing the Irish drum are the ones that played all of uh, Les Alanos's music. So there you go. Oh. They wrote, they wrote all, the guy on the accordion wrote all the music and yeah, wrote all the, the incidental music for the whole show. And they, those two played the uh, drums and organ parts for all the hits for the, <laughs> for the two series, basically. They played to him. That's, that's decent. And they uh, seamlessly, um, Les and Alan jump back behind the kit and the keyboard and uh, break into I just want to dance the night away by the man. Half a shilling, let's hear it for the Bolton Shirt. Half a shilling. Come on, Billy. Move, move. Chorus. Just want to dance when I don't win. I can't 
he and I, the first line and he, yeah. catch himself he has up. to sort of go into it at some point yeah again <laughs> <laughs> so, so that little thing's in, ended and then we come to the end of the night we've got the front foyer and we hear uh, another refrain of send the buggers back but with a distinct Irish twang uh, and this time from a seemingly very intoxicated Roy Walker. <laughs> uh, we did see Holy Mary trying to get his jacket clean with the white spirit earlier on. Uh, obviously, Kenny Senior's not left his side. He's out. He's holding Roy up, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he says, you're an officer and a gentleman, Roy. <laughs> Roy's really pissed and says, can, can you smell turps? <laughs> And then Kenny has obviously been telling more fibs because he says, listen, I'll ring you about that film with that feature film. It's between you and Nick Nolte. (laughs) So they've gone. (coughs) Excuse me. It's Brian Rayvon discussing what a solid he's done for the club. You know, he's not a D he's not an electrician by trade. He's a DJ by trade. You got any bookings says Brian Rayvon's been out of the game for a while, which I think feeds into a, Yes. And Brian offers him a job. Uh, he doesn't think Jive Jive Bunny will be coming back, whatever his name is. So Ray Bomb's dead chuffed with this and he gives him a shake of the hand, but then he does some fist bump secret handshake effort and Brian don't know what's going on, does he? There's also a great bit of, uh, again, Brian looking to get something for nothing as well when Ray mentions that he like builds his own gear. He says, could you look at our pot washer? <laughs> Which is always always after something extra. Oh, yeah. Dear listeners, as we go through uh, this series, we're going to, I'm going to point out Neil Fitzmaurice accent slips because they do get quite severe further down the line because he's a scouser, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right, home straight. Uh, It's Jerry and Brian coming out the side entrance. Jerry says, how do you think it went? And Brian sarcastic says, it couldn't have gone better. A power cut and a sing-along with Combat 18. <laughs> yeah, another, like, a little light perhaps feeds into your uh, theory about it being the local papers. Like, I can't wait for tomorrow's papers yeah, in terms probably, of, like, stirring up trouble. Almost obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was a pretty 90s reference as well, Combat 18, because they were just, like, around 90s, really, weren't they? Probably dead or in prison now. Oh, well. Yeah, so they talk about tomorrow's papers, imagining the headlines, new club in race riots, uh, and they're passing the blame, who, who booked the band. Uh, and Brian says the only good thing that's come out tonight was Ray Beam, or whatever he's called. He's <laughs> that, lad. So Les and Alan. And then this feel like, obviously, you know, Alan got straight off the lorry and straight on stage. So Brian hasn't had a chance to uh, pick up on him being in Stranra. Oh, and you, Alan Stranra Johnson, today of all days, driving. But what we forgot about is during the half a shilling for Rory, Max has had to run back and he missed the bus, didn't he? And he's he's got the chips and he's running back. But he falls over something he wasn't expecting to be there. Chips go in the air. Paddy's more angry about the chips, not his already injured mate that he did. 
he's he's already caused him to fall through a window, and now he's not not bothered that he's essentially thrown himself on the ground face first at this point. Already with a neck brace, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just slagging off for dropping the chips and not getting any tomato sauce. Uh, Brian says quite rightly, in my opinion, I don't know why I pay you two good money. <laughs> He's got a point, doesn't he? Really, he do a lot. Am, am I sort of overthinking this? But it, it, did did they think that it wasn't going to like? Was it? Is their job just so boring that it didn't matter that he got the bus to get some chips on the like a really busy night? Like, no, does no, it? No. But it just never, it just never, it's never kicked off before. So they've never no, actually needed not. two of them. Yeah, night. So he doesn't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. If he hadn't missed that bus, he'd have got away with it, to be honest. So Max is on the floor groaning, uh, but they figure out what he's tripped over. It was a wire, and they follow the wire to its source, and it is uh, some electrical gubbins on a lamppost, which uh, Ravon has quite clearly wired the club up to the lamppost, which is quite smart, really. I thought I didn't think lampposts could have that much... <laughs> to, to, run that, to run a whole club... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, fair one, whatever. Um, so Les and Alan are next to Brian, uh, and they say, Yeah, he learnt it off the waltz as he used to work on the fairs. Here's one that wouldn't get past the sensor. Yeah. And I'm quoting here Brian says, He's a jippo. Oh my, we're cursed. And then he starts saying he'll be tarmacking the car park and selling us pigs. Yeah, I don't think that that doesn't pass the 2022. Uh... Vibe check, does it? Definitely no, not. At all. There's quite a few of those. We'll point them out as we go if you if you you know live under a rock and don't realise you can't <laughs> sort of thing anymore. <laughs> and um, then and then a look like a lovely bit of that sets up the whole Ravon murdered Tracy Burns. Yeah. But what I what I sort of picked up on was that did the two of them did they work that out? Were they gonna do that before that moment? Because they sort of really play off it. It's not just Les or Alan that, that do it. They sort of do it together, don't they? They vibe off each other. Yeah. So uh, they say that was all years ago. He's changed since he got out of prison. And Brian's like, oh, prison, prison. And said, oh, don't you remember him? Uh, he went out with Tracy Burns. And Brian says, Tracy who? Because she won that junior talent trek that year with the hula hoop. So she obviously was real. Yeah. They've made up some quite slanderous things about Rayvon. But, yeah, like you say, that they just sort of go with it, don't they? Um, yeah, the only bit that I think, because it, 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 it's like quite a... So let, then Les says, I oh, know he killed her, and then that's like the end of the scene. But there's a... Les, no, Alan and Brian both look at him really, like, shocked. That's the only moment where I think that they're not... They haven't pre or like, sort yeah. of... Like, Les gives him a proper, like... What moment? Like, yeah. Bar sort of thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the end of that. So we think Raybon might be a murderer. Opening night's gone terribly. Well, it depends what how much they've took behind the bar, I suppose. <laughs> and that is that. I don't know what we're going to do about the end credit scenes. I might just play the whole audio. Yeah. In the... Um, in the commentary, it says that it was Paddy's idea to do the auditions as the that little sort of while the credits roll. Oh. So, yeah. So. Okay. 
Well, I guess that was series episode one, series one of uh, that was series one. Uh, look, as we go, I don't doubt this will get some organic catchphrases and shit of its own, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you liked it, tell your pals, um, share it, subscribe, do all that stuff, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next month for episode two. Yep, episode two. Which is, oh, by the way, I did a survey. I did a survey in, in, in one of the quotes groups uh, asking people to name their favourite episode. Now, can you hazard a guess as to how, what percentage of the votes do you think this, this episode got? The first ever episode of Phoenix Night? Oh, I, don't, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. Can I have a guess at what the top episode was? No. Oh, is that is that for later on? Is that is that to be revealed later on? Yes, this got a meager three percent of the votes. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's sort of like it. There's a there's a hell of a lot in there, isn't there? And there's a lot of what become what have become the kind of big catchphrases. But there's no sort of there's no really big moments. I would say. It's like it's really funny, and it like goes along at a fast pace, doesn't it? But there's no like, like you said at the start, it's like the airplane thing. Just cram it in, just gag after gag after gag after gag. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess they see what sticks, don't they? And and expand on stuff. Yeah, after. yeah, yeah. But even like, yeah, I think for the first episode, for sort of two or three lines to kind of become like you said part of your uh lexicon to use sort of date you know any at any moment even if it's uh unprofessional to do so then uh so it's joint it's joint sixth and seventh right in in the popularity chart according to my survey i have 116 phoenix knights fans and yeah it's like bang in the middle then really yeah Right, so that was the opening night. We'll be back next month, probably, uh, for Wild West Night. That's when it gets good. All right, cheers, everyone. Smash that like button, fam, and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, like, find us on Facebook. Pull off into paradise, a Phoenix Nights podcast. Avanti. See you later. See you all next time. Club pull off into paradise.